Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, and a very, very special thanks to uh, not just our usual super producer, Max Williams, but to our guest super producer, the one and only, give it up for him, folks, Lowell Brilliante. Uh, also, along with you, Noel, I'm, I'm appointing the, the dream team of Noel and Lowell as officially the most patient people I've hung out with today. My name is Ben. I hate traffic, and yeah. I need to learn how to not need a phone. Well, you know, I think that uh, that ship has sailed, my friend. Uh, thanks to the subject of today's episode. Well, in some part, uh, the subject of today's episode, Ada Lovelace. No, that's not a porn star uh, from, from the 1970s. It is, in fact, one of the most important forces in mathematics and science and modern computing uh, to this day. Um, who also happened to be the daughter of a very bawdy poet and uh, Lothario no, known as Lord Byron. Um, yes. I, I did not know that at all. I knew about Ada Lovelace. I did not know she was related to this uh, notorious lech. <laughs> so, yes, yes, she has an interesting story. And just because I'm, I'm coming in hot, uh, Noel, Noel, I want to explain to everybody what what's going on here. So uh, we were supposed to record earlier today, but one genius, who I will name because it was me, left their phone in a rideshare service yeah, last Happens to the best night. of us, man. Happens to the best <laughs> and, of us. And I drove all the way out to a, a distant place to go pick up this phone and couldn't find it because I printed out a map and I was driving back and I was thinking, oh no, I'm making the gang late for recording. How did we become so reliant on these things? And the whole time, this story was kicking in my head as, you know, I'm stopping and going. And we do owe a lot, not just to Lord Byron, his love life aside, but to Augusta Ada King, the Countess of Lovelace, born Augusta Ada Byron, 
December 10th, 1815. We know her today, as you said, as simply Ada Lovelace. She is widely regarded as the world's first computer programmer, which means she's the first person to take the ideas or the, the abilities, the potential of computational machines and combine them with the potential of symbolic logic. And uh, you can find so much great writing from her. We were inspired by a wonderful article from Wired. We pulled some stuff from The New Yorker, The Smithsonian, all the hits, all the hits. But Noel, I love that we're starting by talking a little bit about her old, her old man, because uh, <laughs> this guy, it turns out, had somewhat reluctantly married Ada's mom. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. He didn't really have a whole lot in common with his bride, Annabella uh, Milbank. Um, she was kind of a little more of a, a bookish type. And, you know, Byron... He was a poet, but that didn't make him like a bookworm exactly. I mean, he was out carousing. I think he had like a pet bear. He mm -hmm. was described as being a dangerous fellow to know, uh, just in general, like kind of had a reputation, even though his poetry was uh, and is, is quite, quite beautiful. And his daughter would ultimately become fascinated by it, despite her father's reputation, but her mother um, was really, really into mathematics, and she came from the upper crust as well and had a, an upper-class education, um, which is, you know, one of the benefits that you get when you come from a super, super wealthy family. Uh, Byron was hesitant to marry her, not only because maybe they didn't quite see eye-to-eye -eye in terms of their lifestyle, but he just wasn't really romantically attracted to her. Um, he kind of looked at her as almost like a bulwark like you know like a barrier kind of against his own that uh, was described as dangerous passion um and that's very true he, he was known to be dangerously passionate um and he apparently was known to carry on um romantically uh, quite willy-nilly with both men and women round 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 i get around yeah Yep, he's an original Beach Boy there. Uh, he also, he had many, many mistresses. He had been called mad, bad, and dangerous to know. And he wasn't initially cool at all with his daughter from the jump. Uh, he, he had refused, by the way, to acknowledge one child that he had already had and had the kid instead sent away to a convent in Italy uh, where the, the poor tyke died at five years old. But when Ada was born, reportedly the first words that Lord Byron said to her were, Oh, what an implement of torture I have acquired in you, which is not quite <laughs> I love you. No, and her first words, as it turned out, was maths. Um, that's not necessarily true. But he, she was his only legitimate child. And that, uh, by the way, fun little little sub fact uh claire claremont uh which is a great name by the way who was the daughter he had from an illegitimate affair uh was also the stepsister of mary shelley so very interesting literary connections all around definitely fared better than her sister um who you know was kind of shuttled off to that convent like you mentioned um he was not stoked about it <laughs> lord byron um but he 
deferred largely to her mother in the kind of education she would receive. Uh, he told his wife that it was his intention to keep having affairs um, with mistresses uh, and do his thing. And three days later, he wrote uh, his wife a letter telling her to find uh, a good time that would be convenient for she and his daughter to leave. Uh, GTFO. Yeah, he says, the child will, of course, accompany you, wow. as is only proper. A child must be in the, in the, the care of the woman whilst I carouse and drink my fine wines. Um, yeah, he was kind of a jerk. Uh, definitely remembered for his beautiful poetry, but was clearly kind of a garbage person. Um mm. Yeah, so Annabella took this, you know, with this in the spirit that it was intended. She could say she to, read the room. Mm -hmm, yeah. She definitely read the room and decided to seek an annulment uh, or separation, rather, and uh, employed attorneys, which she could afford, thankfully, because she was independently wealthy. It had nothing to do with her marriage right. to him, which was a good thing. Um, and his her attorneys sent notice to Lord Byron, saying that uh, Lady Byron positively, oh, this is actually the, the quote from the, the letter, Lady B positively affirms that she has not at any time spread reports injurious to Lord Byron's character. Uh, he was doing that plenty well himself, it would mm -hmm. seem. Yeah, yep, and... But it was also we, a veiled threat kind of, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we know that there was this implication that unless Lord Byron complied with her wishes, she might actually start talking. So now you've got to comply if you are Lord Byron. So he started thinking of her, and this is something that sadly people can relate to in the modern day. You, you ever meet those folks who are like, oh, my ex wife or my ex-husband or my ex whomever how i hate them this is kind of where lord byron ended up he started calling her a mathematical medea and yeah. then he later made fun of her in his poetry specifically his epic poem don juan where he says her favorite science was the mathematical she was a walking calculation it sounds like he might be talking about ada but she never really like met her father when she was mm -hmm. old enough to talk to him and he died so young dude he passed away when he was 36 in greece ada was eight and on his deathbed he um on his deathbed, he seemed to have a change of heart, and he was saying, you know, I wish I could have seen her, give her my blessing, although, you know, he also had eight years to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it didn't really, uh, it doesn't really ring true when he's, you know, in his, with his dying, dying breath. He's like, you know what? Maybe my I, bad. I made some mistakes. Mistakes <laughs> some were made. Some mistakes were made. Yeah. yeah, so Lady Byron is rightly just traumatized by this and she makes a vow to herself and she says i am not going to let my daughter become like her father so i've got to figure out a way to make her not this just philandering poet right or poetess as she i get it thought. Yeah, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Maybe. It depends. Nature or nurture. Uh, they weren't really sure yet in those days, so she wasn't going to take any chances. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire, part time, or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You know, well, they definitely lived a privileged life uh, in a country estate uh, where she was, you know, tended to by governesses and had tutors and all that. She also had a pet cat named Mrs. Puff. Um, it, it does say in the Wired article and in the research that we found that it was a rented house, uh, which makes me think that maybe they were like on more like in the upper crust world, maybe more in the middle crust, you know, of, of the upper crust. Um, but it did lead to an excellent education for Ada, and she took to it beautifully. Um, she, you know, her mom really was genuinely concerned, and it actually is, uh, I believe, uh, conjectured by historians that Lord Byron was, in fact, quite mad. <laughs> He was, uh, he was not well um, in terms of, you know, some form of sexual addiction or, you know, bipolar person. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to like try to I'm not an armchair psychiatrist here, but it does seem like the guy had a few screws loose and she was aware of this and did not want that to be inherited by or, or was worried that maybe it had been inherited. So she was going to fight tooth and nail to keep her from becoming her father, like you said. Um, and in her mind, the education was the, the, the path toward that life for her. So she was enrolled um, in this really, really intense homeschooling program. She covered most of the basics of, you know, any education that with children with that kind of access would get, like language and science and all that. But her mom was a big fan of math. And so she really pushed her daughter into mathematics, which would have been, while not unheard of, a little more rare for a young woman to to focus on, you know, the study of, of, of logic and reason and mathematics. Especially in the 1800s in England. Mm -hmm. And she was in this game from the age of four. Uh, she's very, very 
quick study, a smart student. When she was only 12 years old, she decided that she wanted to try to fly. Unlike that alchemist, John Damien, that we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. she didn't you ended immediately... You up in the pile of uh, dung, right? Yeah, she didn't immediately strap chicken feathers to herself and jump off a building. She said, okay, well, let me, let me learn from the pros. Who are the flying pros I'm aware of? And she started looking at birds. She became a bird watcher, and she was thinking, okay... How do birds fly? Could I build something that could help me fly? Could I build wings? So she worked with feathers, paper, and silk. And according to her biographer, Betty Alexandra Toole, this is <laughs> her research began in 1828, Ada's, and she went on to write an illustrated guide about her research called Flyology, which is just like the sweetest, most impressive thing. It's adorable. Uh, and just to be clear, too, she wrote and illustrated that book herself. She yeah. definitely had some uh, pretty broad talents. She wrote her mom a letter about this saying, I've got a scheme to make a thing in the form of a horse with a steam engine on the inside, so contrived as to move an immense pair of wings fixed on the outside of the horse in such a manner as to carry it up into the air while a person sits on his back. Okay, first of all, this is basically like a super nerdy, high-functioning version of a unicorn or a pegasus. So she's like a little girl, and she's combining like the, the, the kind of dreams and daydreams that little girls have, you know, um, uh, stereotypically, with a massive intellect and creating like a steam-powered kind of steampunk unicorn pegasus situation. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and her mother is, uh, if if we can get a beep there, Lowell, her mother is f- terrified because this is too fanciful. And she's like, I'm throwing all this money out the window to make sure that you have a, a, a mindset based in logic and you are a rational thinker. I don't want you being all crazy like your dad. Uh, and Ada doesn't quite agree because she feels that this poetic stuff, the, the, her imagination is a big part of who she is. She's also a teenager at this point, fast forwarded. And she says in a letter to her mother, you will not concede me philosophical poetry. Invert the order. Will you give me poetical philosophy, poetical science? And uh, this is is strange because this new iteration of that same tension between her parents originally is, is a big part of what led Ada Lovelace to become a pioneer of what you could call poetical science mm-hmm. and and people have written about this and imagined these moments of her early life in depth and there are there are a lot of good things to check out in that regard uh we would like to recommend uh a work a non-fiction work called the innovators how a group of hackers geniuses and geeks created the digital revolution uh in this book which talks about a lot a lot of things and a lot of players walter isaacson the author profiles Ada Lovelace at the opening chapter, which should let you know how important she is to you today. Totally. There's also a really good um, uh, talk that I watched on YouTube on the Computer History Museum YouTube channel uh, by co-authors of Ada Lovelace, The Making of Computer Scientists. Their names are Ursula Martin and Adrian Rice, and I believe they both had, are associated with Oxford. But a really, really interesting deep dive. They have the Ada Lovelace archives at housed at Oxford. So they had like incredible access to all these letters and things that we're talking about. 
Um, but yeah, but poetical science, that's not really a thing. It's more of a concept that she more or less invented. Uh, and it makes sense because she is, you can tell from the start, even with that, I'm making a joke about the whole Pegasus thing about how it's like the kind of whimsical thinking of like a, a, a child combined with this like huge, massive, uh, intellect, but it's ultimately super forward thinking and like everything that she conceives of so ahead of its time, like she is incredibly prescient. So all of this continues exponentially, much like uh, computer technology. And in uh, that book you mentioned, uh, Ben, The Innovators, um, Isaacson writes this wonderful kind of crystallization of like her whole vibe. Um, Ada had inherited her father's romantic spirit, a trait that her mother tried to temper by having her tortured tortured by having her tutored in mathematics. The combination produced in Ada a love for what she took to calling poetical science, which linked her rebellious imagination to her enchantment with numbers. For many, including her father, the rarefied sensibilities of the romantic era clashed with the techno excitement of the industrial revolution. But Ada was comfortable at the intersection of both eras. I think that's the key. I love that sentence. Yeah. Um, so she finds her niche, and it's not really even a niche that exists yet because uh, the Industrial Revolution is still you know, a relatively new thing so it's in terms of, like, you know, overall history. Ooh. But on January 5th, 1841, she proposed this question about the nature of imagination, um, and she decides that it's two things. One, the combining faculty that seizes points in common between subjects having no apparent connection. And imagination is the discovering faculty preeminently. It is that which penetrates into the unseen worlds around us, the worlds of science. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, it's a step back here. So this is something, what I find so inspiring about this is the this is the kind of thinking that a lot of people have practiced or a lot of people have, it's a route people have gone down cognitively in the past, but haven't always written about. And they've just sort of restricted it at times to their, their musings, or if you want to be a little more Lord Byron about it, their flights of fancy. I would argue, this is one guy talking on the internet, but I would argue that this represents a new form of a very ancient thing because the early days of science were uh, inextricably rooted in spirituality, right. right? The early centers of learning were also themselves spiritual centers. And so now what she's doing is um, maybe a little more secular version. She's saying, hey, these two things, which we might today call qualitative and quantitative forms of knowledge, they're not so different. And together, perhaps they can Voltron up into more than the sum of their parts. And this, as you said, is a pretty freaky, unfamiliar idea for a lot of people that she's interacting with at the time, except for one person she meets who changes her life and therefore, ridiculous historians, changes the lives of everyone who is listening to the show today. His name, Charles Babbage. His gig, his bag, he is a renowned mathematician. Uh, he meets Ada on June 5th, 1833. She's at this wild party. It's chock full of London's socialites, the movers and the shakers. And 
She's about 17 years old, making her debut. And Babbage is much older. He's in his 40s. He is a widower. And he is telling everybody he can buttonhole, like anyone will listen to him. He's saying, let me tell you about this idea I have. It's called the difference machine, which is also a side note. Babbage didn't know this. It's the name of an underground hip hop group in Atlanta. That's quite mm. good. So if you they like underground hip hop, check out difference machine. Yeah, yeah. I know them. they're cool dudes. They are cool. I don't know. One of the guys that makes the beats for him, Gage, yeah. uh, good dude. Happy pride from tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What his difference machine is, is uh, essentially it's a tower of wheels, numbered wheels, and you can turn a handle and it'll do math for you. It'll do calculations. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 essentially a super uh, bespoke, glorified adding machine. I mean, that's why it's called the difference machine, right? The difference, it, it literally is a uh, mechanical calculator. It does more elaborate math than just adding and subtracting and doing differences. I think it, you know, maybe... I don't know if it would do calculus, but it definitely that existed. And that was the idea was that it could do. It was more like a graphing calculator, maybe. But probably you couldn't play Snake on it. Uh, it never actually got built. I mean, he was obviously pitching this idea amongst these movers and shakers to try to get funding to build the thing. But he ultimately never quite went on to build the full uh, difference machine. I think he did like a test version of it that was much smaller. Um, but she was super into it. Uh, she loved the poetical sensibilities of it all. Um, she, it could be argued, kind of got it even more than the inventor himself. One of her friends said of this, Miss Byron, young as she was, understood its working and saw the great beauty of the invention. And Isaacson in that book talks about how important that moment was when she met Babbage um, in her life. And also, like you said, Ben, the, the, the trajectory of computers and these little things we carry around in our pockets that we rely on so much to get us from point A to point B and to, you know, play snake on and like Google things. Um, but her love of poetry and math, uh, according to Isaacson, um, primed her to see beauty in a computing machine, um, which is crazy. It's like no one else. It, apparently it was regarded as a bit of a gimmick by people that he was pitching it to at the party. Like they weren't into it. They, they, cause they couldn't see it. They could, they, they only saw it for what it was, which was something that already existed in the form of like an abacus or like pen and paper. Right. Like why, why need this? I mean, this machine would have been huge, like what? 40 feet wide and 15 feet tall, something along those lines. Yeah, miniaturization. That would have been a small version. Yeah. yeah, would be a different innovation on the way, but that's what they what he was envisioning, and those were the materials of the time. And obviously, Ada sees something more here. She is thinking big, you know what I mean? Kind of like a, a Hollywood producer, people brainstorming in a writer's room, and she thinks this is the first step, one of the, the biggest steps I can make in this poetical science I've been dreaming about for so long. I need to get this Babbage guy to work with me. I need to get him to teach me. And so she tries to convince him by writing him a letter. And here's just a piece of what she says. You can read it at brainpickings.org. She says, I have a peculiar way of learning, and I think it must be a peculiar man to teach me successfully. Do not reckon me conceited, but I believe I have the power of going just as far as I like in such pursuits, and where there is so decided a taste, I should almost say a passion, as I have for them. I question if there is not always some portion of natural genius even. What that means, in the parlance of these, our times, is, look, I'm special, I think you got something too, uh, I'm not trying to be a, a jerk about it, but I'm a pretty smart cookie. I think you're a smart cookie. Let's be a smart set of cookies. 
this Babbage is sold, and they write uh, correspondences to each other for years and years after this. And he talks about her plan. He talks about his plans, that uh, the stuff he wants to innovate, the stuff he wants to build. And she talks to him about her ambition, uh, and Babbage agrees with her. It turns into like this. You, you ever have those times, Noel, Lowell, where you're hanging out with your buds? And sometimes you might have a couple beers and you just start big up in each other. And it's like, no, dude, you're the man. No, you're the, you know, you're awesome. You're awesome. They kind of start doing this. And at one point, 1839, Babbage even says, despite the rampant misogyny of the age, I think you are so, so good at math that no one should get in your way. That's that we're translating. He really said, I think your taste for mathematics is so decided that it ought not to be checked. But that's basically the same. Don't check herself lest she wreck herself <laughs> um, or yourself because she was a force to be reckoned with, my friend. Um, she did get married and started a family uh, and, you know, lived the domestic life for a little bit. But ultimately, the, the siren call of mathematics was just too loud uh, and uh, and seductive for her to, to, to stay away for too long. Um, she was, you know, kind of told by her mother to follow that kind of more conventional uh, child rearing upper middle class um, model. Uh, Lady Byron at this point is one of the wealthiest women in all of Britain um, and had a lot of influence and could ensure that Ada uh, was able to do what she wanted. Um, so in 1835, with her mom's approval, she married a uh, not particularly intelligent but but friendly enough <laughs> young aristocrat by the name of lord william king uh who eventually became the earl of lovelace uh, i don't know love loveless what's what i'm gonna call it um and uh he really loved ada a lot uh he also ad admired her smarts uh and remarked that she would would make a great general uh, yeah. he felt that she would was a good tactician a lot of that is required to to be good at mathematics you have to have have some uh, strategy oh, sure. uh, solving puzzles and the like Order of operations. A hundred percent. So for the next several years, um, she's mainly rearing kids, popping out babies. She's got three of them. Uh, and she's, you know, the, she's managing a household. You know, the lady, the lady of the house. Literally, it's in her title. Um, she did a little bit of horseback riding. She, she learned how to play the harp uh, and continued um, doing math. She really was getting into something called spherical trigonometry. I, I for one, was always quite bad at math and struggled just to even like get through college algebra. So never, never took trig. Uh, don't think I did any calculus, but um, yeah, she was into all that stuff. Uh, and within a few months of the birth of her third kid in 1839, she decided it was time to get back on the horse, the math horse. Mm -hmm. And and she had some support, I think from Lord William King. They had what I like to call a best relationship not as in the best for them, but when I say a, a best relationship, I mean one person in the relationship, William King, was like, oh, Ada, you're the best. And the other person in the relationship, Ada Lovelace, was like, ah, oh, Willie, you're trying your best. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're, 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 uh, what was it? One time a, a German speaker, I, I was in a conversation with them, and they, they called something I did severely adequate, which was wow. like the most... 
biggest burn. Yeah, you guys get it. I can tell by your faces. But well, no, I mean it's like no matter what he did, how is he going to hold a candle He's not, to no. the Lord of Math? Right, right. You know what I mean? That, that, just, that was she was math. clearly in love with math. Mm-hmm. No man was going to satisfy that uh, particular, you know, pursuit. All they could do was hope to uh, ally and support this journey, right? And to work together with this brilliant mind. Uh, We have decided before we recorded today that we were going to make this a two-parter because we need to know the setup for Ada's life to know, uh, to fully understand the gravity of what she's doing in many ways, working against tremendous odds, given how people the way that academia thought of women at the time. So I think, Noel, what do you say we we give it a pause here and come back Thursday with uh, where things get even crazier? Well, the, A, this is a great place to pause because you're right. Things do start to heat up in a really interesting way with a new version of Babbage's machine uh, that we talked about and uh, one that would ultimately really, truly change the course of technology and, and, and human history. Um, but we also wanted to take a minute to talk to our guest super producer, uh, Lowell Berlanti, who uh, is the producer, creator, and host of a podcast that very much deals with this exact kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, it's called Prodigy. Um, Lowell, can you tell us a little bit about Prodigy and some of the topics that you're stoked about? Yeah, thanks for having me. So in 2010, there was this big behaviorist movement with books like Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, The idea behind it was that genetics or nature basically just don't matter. But if genetics don't matter, does that mean that prodigies can be created? So the first three episodes of Prodigy covered our most up-to-date understanding of where talent comes from. After that, it kind of just devolved into like any psychological topic I found interesting. Um, like lucid dreaming or narcissism or social engineering. Um, I have an episode coming out soon about ketamine therapy for PTSD. Totally. Fascinating stuff. What, what's your take on, on this kind of nature versus nurture, this idea that Lovelace's mom was so worried that she was going to become like a spitting image of her father? And so like obviously they were separated, and so there was no nurture there from the father. But like in your studies and, and some of the episodes you've done, have you found one or the other to be strong, a stronger force in, in uh, how kids end up? Yeah, well, it really depends on who you ask. Um, obviously, trauma is incredibly powerful. But if you take that out of the equation, we do have some ways to measure the influence of nature versus nurture. Um, in fact, we've been doing it for decades, um, way before the DNA revolution. And we did it with twin studies. So identical twins have identical DNA. So cases where identical twins were separated at birth, we could measure their similarity to each other, their birth parents, and their adoptive parents. And they found that identical twins reared apart shared more similarities with their birth parents. Uh, If you want to hear more about those studies, you can listen to my third episode, The Source Code. Also, there's a documentary called Three Identical Strangers that's uh, really good. Yeah, and I I can't recommend Prodigy enough. Uh, This is not me blowing smoke, Lowell. I've I've told people about this stuff. You you and I have talked before, uh, particularly about your episode on the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, which which I think I think would be uh, fantastic. Not if it's a fantastic listen. Um, 
especially if you're a fan of our other shows, stuff they don't want you to know. Also, I didn't want to interrupt you guys, but I do have to step in. I don't think the show devolved into that. I think it evolved into something really, really special. So so what we're going to do is we're going to come back with the one and only guest super producer, Lil Brillante, in part two of our episode on Ada Lovelace. In the meantime, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all the hits, all, all our friends and fam, our fellow ridiculous historians, Casey Pegram, thanks to Max Williams, Noel, of course, thank you to you. Thanks to both of you guys for having my back. I, I totally forgot traffic was a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like you said, though, uh, we can thank slash curse people like Babbage and uh, Ada Lovelace <laughs> for, you know, uh, literally kind of depriving us of parts of our brains that used to do things like remember directions or like memorize maps or even just read maps. There's, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a double-edged sword. Obviously, we work for the Internet and we love a lot about it, but... Um, Technology really does, when you start to lean on it a little too hard, it can kind of become a crutch, a weird crutch or something that, you know, makes you dumber while also giving you incredible access to information. Or it can make you, you know, we're increasingly into the age of cybernetics. What makes you a cyborg? Is it an implant in your brain or is it, you know, being attached to your phone? How much, what's the line of relying on technology? A million percent. We're going to definitely talk about that in episode two. Lovelace actually has a pretty awesome hot take about AI before it was even something anybody conceived. Like uh, she, like I said, very, very prescient. Um, So, yeah, thank you too, Ben. Look forward to getting back um, and uh, tackling part two of Ada Lovelace. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at Fisher homes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.